This is one of those awkward moments that we're not quite used to called an introduction before the actual introduction of today's podcast where the Bacho Death Trip concentrate on the seminal works, <laughs> always giggle when I say the word seminal, uh, of Amen with We Have Come For Your Parents, but much like in a previous podcast, Reese is here with some developments. Oh man, I have been busy and thank you listeners for tuning in. I can't wait to talk about this album. I, I actually don't have too much to say about this album. It's just going to be like, it's fucking cool. <laughs> Casey Coast is a bit of a dick, but he's it's fucking cool. It's it's great. It's just great. It's a Ross Robinson album, peak new metal. It's great. But before we uh, go on and on and on and just talk about how great the album is, what have you got first lined up? So a listener has written in and they've sent us this loudersound.com uh, Metal Hammer feature and it's called The 10 Best Songs by the 10 Worst New Metal Bands and, and it's by Matt Mills from Metal Hammer and it, you know, mm. it's from April 28th, 2020 and it says, For every corn and limb biscuit, there was a crazy town and an alien ant farm. But even yes. New Metal's D-listers had their moments. Now, I, I won't go through all the songs really. Well, we don't need to comment on all of them, but there was Trapped. No. Headstrong. Okay, I don't Ugh. know. Nonpoint. Bullet with a name. Yeah, whatever. Ugh. Edema. Immortal. Uh. This one I agree with. Drowning Pool Bodies. Like, that, yep. that's got to be their best song, which is a sad state of affairs. But here's what I want to talk about. This band, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Taproot, with a song called Poem. And the... I wonder if you can shed some light on this. The most famous thing about Taproot is the angry voice message Fred Durst left on the singer's answering machine. Was that when they turned down a chance to sign to Interscope? I only have, like, the foggiest of memories of this, and I really should have researched it beforehand. But, yeah, uh, it's something we'll have to play on next week's episode, I think. (gasps) We're doing Taproot next time round. Weeks don't exist in the podcast land, man, you know? Not for us, anyway. Fucking, I am not doing Taproot. But apparently they, they scored a hit with 2002's Poem, which peaked at number five on the Billboard's rock chart. Now, surely when there's yeah. so many fucking shit songs on the rock chart, it's no longer a great thing to be on the rock chart. Do you know what I mean? It's, it loses it, all of its appeal. Yeah? Yeah, but you got to realise that sometimes it's a vanity thing. It's like musicians that are adamant they want to release on vinyl. No, you don't need to release on vinyl. Led Zeppelin releases on vinyl. Yeah, but the fidelity on vinyl is completely different. We recorded that. We recorded our album, and it's meant to be meant to be played on a vinyl. And nine times out of ten, Reese, you know that people like me, like you, are like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll buy a vinyl, but ultimately, I'm still gonna listen to it while I'm running on my phone or something like that. 100%. So, so the whole chart thing is just at times maybe a vanity thing. Like, yeah, guys, we charted like. Yeah, on the rock chart, man. Like, big deal. Well, I used to have a um a, a daily blog thing when I was in Shanghai because all the news websites that followed Chinese music, they just did it like once a week post. I thought, that's fucking weak. So I did a daily one and I made up my own awards and I just gave them out willy-nilly. I had a trophy made. I just gave them out for absolute bullshit. Like, bet, quickest sound check by a band, you know? Um, And people started to take it kind of seriously and they'd put it on their bios. And then the weirdest thing was that when... Uh, promoters would book a show for them that actually put the name of the, the blog and say winner of this award it's like what does this mean ah. guys this is silly and there was like some sort of uh, magazine in Shanghai that did a, an April Fool's Day edition and they had you know 
Reese from this band is going to DJ this fancy nightclub. Haha, ha, that's pretty funny, isn't it? You know, this this punk, loudmouth piece of shit is going to be in this fancy posh club. And it was a, a joke. But when we toured Vietnam, the promoters thought that was a real real thing. So they had it in the posters, you know, also known as, you know, famous DJ, whatever. Anyway, Taproot, uh, probably their best song, probably still not a great song, you know. I mean, that that's never going to happen when we do the Baccio Death Trip Awards towards the end of the year, right? Oh, I mean, that's idea. a very... That's a very serious, very serious award ceremony, you know. That's going to be up there with, like, the Arias or, I don't know, the Razzies. Yeah, man, I will honestly, I cannot wait to do that. That's going to be awesome. Here we go. I'm interested in this one. Alien Ant Farm, Smooth Criminal. I disagree with this. Wasn't their song Movies actually pretty good? Was it the song Movies? Movies. Movies was really good. Attitude was really good. I think Alien Ant Farm get a bum rap. I think that in the pantheon of new metal bands that were coming out around that time, they firmly had their tongues in their cheeks. They knew that at times they could be a novelty act, especially when they released Smooth Criminal. They just leaned into, yeah, we're going to do a novelty cover. But then I think other bits and pieces that Alien Ant Farm have released were really good, so... I think it's unfair to call them a bad new metal band or a bad rock band when there are a heap more. And I think in in respect to Alien Ant Farm and with no real detriment to Taproot, those positions could have been swapped. I think Alien Ant Farm should have been like eight or nine higher up because, yeah, man, they're not a joke band. They've done some really good stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's in order as, as such. Dry Kill Logic, Paper Tiger. Dry Kill Logic are an interesting band to me because I listen yeah. to them a heap and ha- have zero, retained zero information on the band. Can't remember one song. Can't remember a sound, a vibe. Uh, I can remember the cover. I can remember burning it for some friends. Like, But I, I remember talking about it at parties, but I cannot remember one fucking note. Drop D. What was that? They, yeah, they had a song which basically was an interpolation. Hopefully, I've used that word right. Of um, Spice Girls wannabe. What do you mean? It was in like they took that. I really wanna. I wanna. I wanna. I wanna. I really, really, really oh. wanna see you die. So they kind of took a little bit of that. What was the name of that album? Because the artwork was pretty grotesque wasn't it yeah agreed i i remember the artwork more than i remember the actual album itself uh but what was the name of that track let me just head up justin he'll sort it out uh what what was after dry Kill logic um so the only one other one i really want to talk about was crazy town's butterfly i feel like that's a, a bit of a yeah of course you got to say it but i had that album and i remember i i can't remember and I can't remember much about it, but I do remember one of my friends in high school, her her older sister was a real big goth, and she actually hand-drew the Crazy Town logo on her... Oh. Oh, no, not logo, the cover um, on her bedroom wall and fully painted it, and it was epic. You know, it was... It was beautiful. It was really, really, really great, but she was she was in deep, and, you know, I can't help but think she runs like a... A doggy daycare now, or is like a soccer mom, or something like that, and just like works at a, works at a cat cafe or something. Yeah, like just that. regrets like, oh my god, or, or you know, she's a high powered attorney, and just like, oh, please don't bring that up, you know. It was crazy how huh, crazy town themselves 
managed to establish such a big female following because going back to one of our uh, previous podcasts when we were talking about toxic masculinity, you couldn't get any more beef-headed than the video to um, Butterfly. Weren't they in the jungle or something? Oh, no, it was like this kind of hypnagogic really soft lit garden almost uh-huh, like the yeah, garden yeah. of eden with yeah. what's his name Sh- shifty, shifty shell shock was yeah. that his name yeah looking looking like he's you know a fucking kilogram he's he's done a kilogram of like meal supplement replacement drinks and whey powder and he's just <laughs> That's what i drink. completely no i drink that as well man but i'm not drinking like half a bucket load and then getting my pump on just for a music video yeah. with those star tattoos as well. But yeah. yeah, there's so many girls that I knew in college that were absolutely infatuated with that band and like, Oh, my boyfriend pr- printed me off uh, the lyrics to butterfly by crazy town to <laughs> demonstrate really? his love for me. Yeah, for real, man, for real. And it's like, why, why would you do that? Um, Dry Kill Logic, the album was the darker side of nonsense. Oh, non- yes, I remember. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. yeah, and then the track in question was either I think it was Rock. Yes, was yes, the yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're that. totally yeah, right. Yeah, that's yes. the one. So you know, jump onto Spotify or or Deezer, maybe not Pandora, or you know any kind of uh, streaming platform and. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, everyone in between, check that out for yourselves because doing a dry kill logic um, one because uh, or like a, an episode on an album I haven't really listened to or even a brand new kind of new metal album that I haven't heard to get first impressions because well, like yeah that's that's probably gonna be like we're not gonna do a clip show but that's probably gonna be one of those uh shall we take a break from talking about a specific album and just talk about. Guilty pleasures, I believe, is what the kids are saying, but that's it's not the right term. But you know, yeah, that's something we could touch upon. Because I'd like to touch upon thirty six crazy fists. <laughs> Were they on that um, list? No, they weren't. Sadly, uh, a shame. Well, it's a shame. Um, have we got any more fan mail? Like, so that was the first bit of fan mail that we got. We had another message from Connor that he said he disagrees with you on the fact that you think Tool is a good band, but you know, Tool is a is a divisive band, you know. Not everyone loves them. Yeah, they they're they're polarizing, and I I still maintain the fact that I like Tool. Tool have done some great stuff. I just do not like mm. diehard Tool yeah, fans. I agree with that. But other than that, like nothing really has come through. But we did get an email from some sponsors. I reached out and I said, "Why are you leaving us all the time? Like, what is going on there?" Yeah, that's uh, it's a concern. They said, "You know what? We're we're tired of being put at the end of the podcast, so I thought we'd do one at the start, if that's okay, and just get it out of the way. Bloody demanding. All right, go for it. I know you're, you're, you're very keen to do this, so we'll go ahead. Well, I just want to keep them happy. I, w- I want to keep someone on, you know, on retainer. I want to have someone constantly in. I want to grow this podcast with them. And I thought, what goes really, really well with new Metal and that kind of time? And, and, you know, just as you're really stunting your development by cranking out crazy town how else are you really stunting your growth with rtds now benji when i say rtds what do you think well if you're a listener in the united kingdom you may refer to those more as alco pops they're ready to drinks 
or um, in Australia, RTDs are pre-mixed drinks. So your Smirnoff yeah. Ice, your, your Cruisers, your Red Bears, your... Billy yeah, Mabs. I don't know, like every country's got their own own thing. Yeah. But I've got I've got something from the the RTDs have got together in the UK. Do they have ads just like where it's like pork? Get some pork on your fork, and it's just the pork industry here. Just like we don't care what kind of pork you get, just get pork or like chicken or ham. Well, cons- considering that I don't watch television, that I'm predominantly a streamer. Uh, in the day when I used to watch TV and all the glorious adverts that came along with it, because also, bear in mind that the BBC, oh, yeah. they don't run adverts, but I remember there used to be big pushes for uh, Danish bacon, and in my head, I've still got the jingle, which is Danish bacon, Danish bacon, yummy, 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 <laughs> yummy, yummy, yum. So yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I, It's the catchy jingle, like, I'll, and then I go to the shop, and it's like, oh, bacon, Danish bacon, Danish bacon, cool. I'm just going to get the one pound bacon that just... Is predominantly fifty percent water, thirty percent sawdust. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully, you know, I put together this ad for RTDs. Hopefully, maybe there's a jingle in there for for, for the listeners. Hi, Reese here from Butcher Death Trip. Sure, we talk about albums that were popular from our high school years, but do you know what was way more popular? RTDs, ready to drink drinks, pre-mixed cans of vodka and raspberry fizzy sugary shit bourbon mixed with coke promoted by misogynistic ads and gin mixed with pink strawberry and soda water these drinks made public health advisory boards super nervous so you knew they were good but don't take my spoken word for it take my singing word for it i want a headache while i drink have rainbow vomit fill my sink i want a booze that will increase my risk of losing my feet i want an rtd give me diabetes please make my heart begin to rush cranberry vodka so no thrush hold the hair back of my crush to the sound of a toilet's flush i want an rtd Give me diabetes, please. Fill my backpack to the top with cougars, cruises, and woodstocks. Walk the suburbs with no stop. Vodka mixed with soda pop. I want an RTD. Give me diabetes, please. Oh, yeah. So give me RTDs every night and every day. Give me that sweet relief with maximum tooth decay. I won't drink alcohol any other way. I need a sugar high that sees me through the Sunday. I want an RTD. Give me diabetes, please. RTDs, proudly sponsoring But Your Death Trip. Right, so three things with that, Reese, because that's the first time I've heard that. Number one, speaking as an individual that suffers from diabetes or pre-diabetes, which is just basically kind of like the shitty opening band before you get into the major band, um, that really resonated with me. I definitely want to go to the shop now and have an RTD. Uh, number two, that was never you. That was clearly T-Pain that you roped in to do that. So where'd you get the money for that? 
And then third of all, you're fucking wasted as a podcaster, do you know that? You're absolutely wasted. Anyway, here's the intro to Amen's We've Come For Your Parents. Iggy Pop was born in 1947. Some people call him the godfather of punk after his band The Stooges started in 1967. Two years later, Casey Chaos would be born, the eventual frontman for the band Amen, and he would be asked to write some songs for Iggy's new album. I think Ross Robinson hooked Casey up with the job, because I know they uh, hung out quite a bit, but I'm not sure about that. Anyway, Casey being a, being a massive music, like punk rock nerd, jumped at the chance and wrote a bunch of songs. For some reason, that album never happened, but Casey Chaos used some of those songs on Amen's second album, We Have Come For Your Parents, and I for one am very glad that he did. I love this album when it came out, and it's still an album I can happily go back to. Between Amen's first album and this album, I was really into the band, but their later releases never grabbed me nearly as much, and Casey seems to be lost. He seems to be a bit of a grub, like he got arrested for drink driving in 2012, and then he had allegations of domestic violence against him in, I think, 2019, although I couldn't find much information about that, so I'm not really sure of the outcome of that. But to think about this album and who I was when I discovered the band, seeing them open, big day out and having the term piss virus being used heavily in my circle of friends anytime one of us had to go to the bathroom I'll always have a soft spot for the first two albums as I got older I got pretty into running and since starting this podcast a lot of my runs have been spent alone in a Melbourne suburb at 5.30am clocking up the miles to bands like Cold Chamber, Papa Roach and Incubus but finally Finally, we are talking about an album that I would happily run to, even without the immense pressure of co-hosting the world's most popular podcast. Benji, what music do you tend to listen to on your long walks or to get amped up? Um, it depends what the weather's like. I don't know if you're the same. Like, if it's slightly overcast, then maybe I'll listen to, uh, like some new metal like Foo Fighters is normally my go-to because I'm quite familiar with the songs I'm also quite familiar with the the drum patterns and the speed and the tempo of the song so it's a case of if if it starts to kick in say like um enough space off the color and the shape it starts off rather slow with the and when it kicks in so I'm starting off at a quite a moderate pace and then when it kicks in I'm picking up the pace on a sunny day, that I mean, I would say I predominantly listen to a lot more hip hop when I'm walking than I do like metal or rock or post rock or noise or experimental or ambient experimental or ambient electro experimental or experimental power electronics, yada 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 yada. So, yeah, hip hop for me is my go to. I just think because there's a steady beat that you can just pace yourself for a decent walk to that particular beat if i really want to go for high intense training hit training stuff like that then yeah i'll go to new metal i'll go to like a fear factory or something like that where the kind of the rhythms change quite frequently so for one minute i'm walking the next minute i'm jogging so but yeah, for a guy that's doing a new metal podcast with yourself to turn around and say, oh, actually, I listen to a lot more hip-hop than I do rock and metal. Maybe you need to get yourself a new co-host. Well, I've got someone here. Let's bring him out. No, no, I'm on the exact same, man. Like, the idea for this podcast came around through my running, and what I needed was 
when you're doing just casual uh, runs or a bit of training, you, it doesn't matter what you really listen to. Like you can listen to new stuff. Like this morning, I listened to the new Kings of Leon album just because I was interested in it. But then uh. my controversial music take is I like Kings of Leon the lamer they get. The more arena rock they get, the more I'm into it. It's real bizarre. But anyway, if it's like a full marathon race or um, it's going to be a really intense run, it has to be stuff I know. And it's because I know when the, the highs come. I know when the, the chorus kicks in. I know the beat. I know the tempo. Like Exactly like you said, there's no, no alarms and no surprises. Nothing's going to throw me off, you know? Uh, yeah. and, I, and I really kind of curate a playlist to be like, all right, this will be at the 33K mark. This is what kind of what I'll hit. This is what I'll be feeling. This is what I'll need. But yeah, I don't. I listen to a lot of podcasts, like fucking near constant. Like we don't have the TV on very often in our house. And if I even just walk downstairs to grab something, I'll put a podcast on for twenty seconds. And you know, it's just it's constantly playing. You know, but yeah. So I'm. But the, the idea yeah. of this podcast came around on those runs where I was just like, I've tapped out of all the music that I know because I was doing quite a few k's a week. I'm like, all right, let's go back to Corn. Let's go back to and see what those albums are like. Let's go back to some System of a Down and see if, if that holds up or what. And it just, I was just flooded with, with, um, nostalgia and memories. And on that, with Amen, can I? T- I haven't told you this, and feel free to grill me on it. I haven't told you my grift on how I got the majority of these CDs, the vast majority of them. What was the grift then, man? <laughs> it's a pretty good one. It's a little bit involved. I'll try and dot point it, but my, my uncle was like this computer hacker, and so he got really into like chipping PlayStations and shit. So my, he got my dad a CD burner, and he hooked it up. So yeah, what I did, I started going around high school, and I just asked 30 people for $1. Oh, I just needed like $31 coins, and I got an album. Yeah? And I'd, t- I'd take it home and I'd burn it. And then I'd go, there were three CD stores, a Sanity, a Leading Edge, and this like secondhand store. Then I would go into Sanity and say, hey, my mum bought me this for Christmas and I didn't want to tell her this, but I already had it. Can I swap it for another one, please? And, and they're like, do you have the receipt? I said, no, it's a gift. I don't want her to know. Okay, cool. Swap it over. And I was a fourteen year, 13 to 14 year old kid, young, scrawny. Um, a bit of gumption though, as you can imagine, like I wasn't afraid to go up and talk to people and stuff yeah. like that. And we had no money. So like, yeah, it, it was kind of like, you know, I wasn't going to get these CDs any other way. So then I'd get it and, and then I'd go, okay, great. Thank you so much. I'd take it home. I'd burn it. And I'd take it to the next CD store and I'd be like, Hey, my dad just bought me this for my birthday and I don't want to tell him. And I would just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And if someone said no, I'd just wait until their shift finished and I'd go in again. Like, I'd just try it again. It got so bad, like, that I would just go... You know how you used to be able to listen to CDs in, in the store? I would get, like, 10 of yeah. them. And, I'd, and this, yeah. this is how I discovered Glassjaw. I would just get 10 of them and be like, okay, that, that's a burn, that's a burn, that's a burn, that's a burn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this one, right? Now... I would just go burn it, burn it, burn it, and then I'd, I ended with glass shot. Then I'd start the process again. So sometimes I would take an older CD and I'd sell it to the second-hand CD store. And there was this album cover, yeah. Amen, self-titled. It's a fucking creepy cover. It's like proto Blair Witch Project. Yeah. I remember it being on the shelf, and it's, it's scaring me. It scared the fucking shit out of me. And I was just like, what is this album? What is this album? And it took me, I reckon, months to work up the courage to... And the, the difference between Sanity and Leading Edge and this, this second-hand CD store is the second-hand CD store was run by 
John Cusack from High Fidelity. He knew his stuff, but he was a real asshole and didn't want to sell anything for some reason. Like, a real weird dude. Yeah. And I remember asking, like, what is this? And he's like, ah, oh, it's some shit. Who cares? You know, some trash. And I was like, oh, like I'm fucking in through. I just would stare at it. I don't know if you have a, this kind of feeling with any albums. You just, or movies. Movies in like a, you know, when you get like seven weeklies for $7 or whatever. And you just stare at it. It was Hellraiser for me. Like, just staring at that going, what the fuck is this? Uh, for me, I don't know. Because I just end up watching the movies. Art. I mean, art for me does it like uh, as we could be intellectual for a bit, can't we? Yeah, I'll just get the fart noises out of five get, minutes. Fart noises five out minutes, of the way. Yeah, okay, five minutes. For me, <laughs> yeah. Any dick jokes you want to throw in there as well, Kevin Smith? I mean, album covers aside, I've, there wasn't ever. I mean, Cannibal Corpse album covers always just like a <gasps> what the fuck is that, you know? But with artwork, like. There's a piece of art by Goya, and if I remember the name correctly, I believe it's uh, Saturn Devouring His Son. Have you seen that one? Is that the one from Ghostbusters 2? No, 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 that's Vigo. Yeah, Saturn Devouring His Son was by Goya, and it's effectively this mad caveman-looking thing with, like, a half a fucking body in his mouth just staring out, like... And it's that look of... What is going on in his mind, you know? Is it kind of... uh, Is he mortified at what he's doing? Or has he just generally gone mad? Which is interesting because a lot of Francis Bacon's work as well is the kind of artwork I stop and go, oh my God, you know, you get transfixed. It, 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 It sends not chills down your spine, but it's that element of excitement kind of how you are just about to jump onto a roller coaster and it's that rush of I don't know how to feel or what to expect here. I felt that way about Francis Bacon's work when he started doing shit about Pope Innocent X. Francis Bacon, yummy, yummy, yum, 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 yum. Yum, yummy, 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 yum, Francis Bacon, Francis Bacon, yummy, yum. But then he, Francis Bacon did a piece called Figure With Meat which coincidentally was an inspiration for Amen's second album cover. Uh, well, third, if you count a 1995 demo. We have come for your parents because apparently Case of Chaos wanted to combine the idea of Americana and Boy Scouts with Francis Bacon. And you ended up with a bunch of kids dressed up as dukes or, or, or archbishops, should I say, religious types with axes and... They really struck a nerve when it came to using kids as a means of scaring people. I mean, the album title alone, We've Come For Your Parents. I remember watching the video to... Price of Reality. Um, Price of Reality, yeah. where it was just Girl Scouts with guns. And he really knew how to hit a nerve, but quite in an artistic sense, not like in a, let's just be gratuitous and violent. He just knew how to like, just prod you in the middle of the back so you arch up and go i don't like that feeling whatsoever which is really interesting when you compare him like to to a band like papa roach or whatever because papa roach had didn't have that sort of artistic bent but in interviews they came across as having it whereas casey chaos on a record or in studios and his vocal takes are fucking next level. My my favorite one of my favorite ever vocal performances is from the first Amen album, the, the I Don't Sleep. Fuck, that is yeah. that is so good. That 
yeah, that's really like top five, I reckon, for me. And like cop that Whitney Houston, you know? Uh, no, she's number one, three, yeah. four. But in interviews, Casey Cowles doesn't come across like that. He comes across as a bit of a, I don't know, d- dead shit. But obviously there's something there because he had a lot of well-connected friends very early on. He hung out with Ross Robinson super young, you know, he was hanging out with Bukowski when he was, what, 16 or something? He followed Black Flag around. There's that famous photo of him with Henry Rollins. Which led to him appearing on Rollins' show, and Henry Rollins couldn't speak highly enough in that clip. Mm. Uh, Sadly, uh, IFC, who broadcast uh, the Henry Rollins show, cut a lot of the broadcast, but that's because Casey Cowes was incredibly political. Yeah. But maybe he's always been political. He all he seems, and this is not meant to come off as disparaging, but in the kind of new metal scene, when you look back now, he looked like he was one of the more intelligent front men, like Mike Shinoda, for example, of Linkin Park, kind of great, yeah. Study, you know, it, it's someone that not only studies the craft of of music uh, of of the genre of the many genres, but also kind of like a student of the artistic side of things as well. And where maybe Mike Shinoda and Mr. Hahn were very much inspired by manga and, and art and Japanophiles for lack of a better term. Casey chaos came across as someone that's like, yeah, you know, I've, I've hung out with Bukowski. I've, I've read William S. Burroughs, but at the same time, I can play to an audience, but by playing to the audience, perhaps I can convey a message outside of just the realms of being a a ridiculously good punk band. Ridiculously good. I mean, if there's one takeaway already, if, if people are bored of this podcast at this stage, if there's one takeaway we can mention already, it is the, it is the fact that I honestly believe that Amen did not get enough credit for just how good that they were. It was a fucking incredible first two albums that they released. And they had some, like, real backing as well. They had some major label backing. But obviously, like, think about today. Casey doesn't have social media, I don't think. Like, I don't think he's on Twitter. No, I don't think so. You know, he's not going to be super easy to work with. You know, if you're given a choice between Amen and Papa Roach, you're probably going to pick Papa Roach because they're a bit more malleable and easier to to lead by the nose, maybe. I don't know if that's fair on them, but yeah. Casey's got this really great ability to kind of be in the song, elevate the song, be aware of what's going on around him, but also get the fuck out of the way of the song, which is a hard thing for me to kind of articulate. But whereas you can tell, again, like... Papa Roach would be a good example. You can tell Jacoby's always in the back of his mind going, I'm Jacoby Shaddix. I'm Jacoby Shaddix. I'm here to rock the house. Fred Durst is another one. They can't get the fuck out of their own head to really give the song the best performance. Does that make sense to you? Well, doesn't that go back to your reasoning why you're not a big fan of John Otto? Because it's... It's filling the spaces that don't need to be filled. It's kind of, you know, it's not being present. It's being incredibly omnipresent. It's like, I, I've i got to get my shit in, you know, yeah. using that wrestling analogy again. I've got like five minutes and I know I'm going to lose this wrestling match. So I just want to flex as much as possible and pull off my best moves so people know that I'm actually really good, that I don't deserve to lose. Katie Chaos, on the other hand, seems to... But then he, he, he was 
big into the whole kind of hardcore punk scene with Black Flag, and I would imagine around that time as well, Minor Threat, and those kind of bands. So they were the kind of bands that knew to let guitars breathe in between the kind of vocal takes that took place. Uh, I mean, Justified is a great example of We've Come For Your Parents because he allows that guitar to do its introduction and then he jumps in with some lyrics and then he allows the guitar to flare a little bit but and he'll add lyrics but it'll be a lot more minimalistic in comparisons to say here's a quiet part in a Papa Roach song or here's a quiet part in a Taproot song I've just got to scream over the top of it like he kind of knew that the melodies from the instruments were in part responsible for the evoking whatever kind of feelings you were as a listener Meanwhile, I think maybe sometimes lead singers feel that, yeah, but my lyrics are the reason that people are feeling all of these emotions, which partially true. I mean, for me, I mean, I had this conversation with Maeve. I don't know what your take is on it, but Maeve is a lyrics person. Meanwhile, I am more of a music person. It's the music, the melodies that evoke the feelings in me rather than what the lead singer himself or herself or they self have to say Glassjaw and Deftones are the the examples that I'll, I'll take a listen to lyrics but for the most part I'm there for the melody and the vocals I'm not intrinsically listening to lyrics I'm listening to how the vocal line works in the grand picture of that's an instrument so what's the harmony there alongside the harmonies from the bass the drum the turntable the bitrum bow the didgeridoo if you're incubus the upside down snare yeah it's the one man three of them three of those upside down snares one of which missing some of the springs at the bottom i don't think i'm more of a lyric person if i had to pick but i'm really much more of like a energy and vibe person if i can feel someone has got like this reckless abandon that high you get when you're performing or when you're in that flow state and they're fully in it and it's kind of just like throwing everything they've got at it um i really like that but when i say throwing everything i've got at it everything they've got at it i don't mean john otto just tapping everything within you know a 5k radius i'm talking yeah some sort of internal performance just like i'm just gonna get out of my own head here like there are there are points when 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 like when you're pl- when i was playing on stage and the drums and the cymbals were kicking in at the with the other instruments and you kind of feel nothing and everything and you feel it's this like high ecstasy sort of thing and i look for that in other performers and and you can get that in instrumentals but you can also get it in um vocals um so yeah i kind of but if i had to pick i'd pick l- lyrics I mean, did did you did you feel that way when you got into my morning jacket? Oh, bro, got into my morning jacket in, in such a weird way too, because I got it in into it in like because Jack Black was wearing a shirt, and I didn't even see him wearing that shirt. I read about it in a Rolling Stone interview. It was about with you know Jack Black, and he's like, oh, and he rocks up his my morning jacket shirt, and I was like, what the fuck is this band? And they just happened to be touring Australia at that time, and I went. It was my first ever eighteen year old show. I think I went like two days after my eighteenth birthday. Oh, interesting side note. Um, yeah. I couldn't play guitar when I was 18 and I started to learn because I got the My Morning Jacket guy gave me, the singer gave me his guitar pick and it was a really, really hard one and I can't play with soft picks to this day because of that. I, I, had, I still got it in my mum's house, like just, just this green pick, but no one was really at the show. It was just kind of, it wasn't a huge show. It was at the corner if you've ever been there. So that was a, a really, really good way to get into that band. But 
usually the way I got into bands was through this CD grift. And if I stopped on the album and I started the cycle again, that album took a special place in my heart. But Amen were a band, and they still kind of are. Not many people liked them. Like, I loved Glassjaw. Glassjaw were really my band for years before anyone really in my circle got into them. And I remember seeing Absolutely. a guy in the street wearing a Glassjaw shirt, and I was like, what the fuck? And he just blew me off. I didn't think he knew what he what it was. Which which Glassjaw shirt was it? Was it the Kappa logo? Oh, just a G. Just a G. Yeah, the Kappa logo. Amen never took off. No one else ever talked talked about it. And I remember being at the Melbourne Big Day Out, and they played at like 11 a.m., and I made a special effort to go there early to see them. But, yeah. but watching the videos back, like Channel V have a bunch of Amen songs from Big Day Out on YouTube, and there's a huge crowd. So I'm like, my, my memory is, is either like fucked or there was no one in Melbourne to see them really. It's the echo chamber effect. There was a very, well, there was a very popular band. That's going to be a, a paradox when I finish this anecdote. There's a very popular band in the UK called Ruben, and they ended up breaking up and a whole bunch of people was like, Oh, why did Ruben break up? They were like one of the best bands in the UK. And uh, the lead singer, Jamie Lehman or Lenman, sorry. He was interviewed cause he was doing a solo project. He was interviewed by Zane Lowe on MTV two. And the question was brought up about, well, how, you know, are you guys going to get back together? Like everybody wants you back together. And Jamie's response was, it's an echo chamber. I mean, is it really a wide range of people want to see us get back together? And is it really just a whole bunch of people that that came to see our shows? Or is it just like a, a group of individuals that are just making enough noise in an echo chamber? Because uh, I, I recall watching Amen play uh, Leeds Festival, the first... Uh, Leeds Festival that I went to and there was a decent crowd that was the same year that Puddle of Mud played and everybody wanted to go see Puddle of Mud because they released She Fucking Hates Me which became a, a top 10 hit over here also on that list we talked about this morning oh, this morning earlier but there was a considerable crowd for Amen there was a considerable crowd also on a side note for a band called Dillinger Escape oh, Plan. Great band. And the, the the only time I saw Dillinger Escape Plan before then, they opened for System of a Down when System were touring Toxicity. And they got absolutely booed out of the Nottingham Ice Arena. Booed because everybody wanted System of a Down. It's a certain sound. Mm. It, it, I'm not saying that System of a Down were formulaic, but I am saying that there was a certain sound a certain formula a certain shall we say pattern that people had come accustomed to in that whole halcyon heyday of you know new metal ruling the mainstream charts and so when a band like dillinger escape plan come along and open and, and it was like math cory a whole bunch of school kids really didn't like the fact that, well, no, I want something to dance to. I want something to jump around to. I can't do anything to this. Boo, boo. And it's like, that is absolutely criminal that that happened to um, Dillinger Escape Plan. Yeah. But yeah, Amen got a considerable I think considerable crowd. Casey said they the were really, really popular you know? in the UK and, and he, his parents were from Europe and, you know, he really, like, 
He's pretty anti-American. A lot of songs are the anti-American government. Oh, definitely. Coma America. Yeah. So my band covered that, and no one knew that song, so I think people just thought it was our song. It was so good. I don't even think we corrected it. Did you uh, hang the Australian flag upside down? No, I hung my snare upside down. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Coma Australia. <laughs> True. We should have done that. We weren't that smart, man. Coma, coma Bendigo, mate. Coma Bendigo. Um, interestingly... Uh, am I right in saying, Reese, that Casey Chaos actually worked with System of a Down for a Grammy? Oh, Byob won a Grammy, didn't yeah, yeah. it? Yeah, or no, it was either one or it nominated. I can't remember. Um, I think they won a Grammy. Yeah, it was for Byob. So he has this incredible like collection of very, very impressive friends. He was in a band for a little while called Headband with. Uh, Josh and Nick from Queens of the Stone Age and Twiggy. They were trying to find a drummer. They tr- they asked Dave Grohl, but he was busy. Like that's pretty impressive. He was friends with Ross, and he became they became re- Amy became really good friends with Slipknot because they just finished their album with Ross, and the next the self titled album, and the next day Slipknot was started to sli- Slipknot like were in there to record their self titled debut. So Ross was like fucking go meet him and then they kind of met each other and then yeah he went and listened to them or was in the booth when they were recording whatever it was and then Slipknot took them out on their tour which is pretty cool Casey found a bunch of bands he put Ross Robinson onto Blood Brothers and I loved Blood Brothers I was really into Blood oh, Brothers oh definitely definitely really big into them um, yeah so uh, but also I l- for years I was confused as the li- as to the link between Amen and Glassjaw and do you know what it is? Is it Shannon Larkin? Shannon Larkin, great drummer. He's the only, you know, I talk about hi-hats. Fucking get rid of him or close him and smash the ride. Shannon has open hi-hats, but they sound good. And he, he just fucking plays so well. A great drummer. So do you know the story there? No, I mean, I'm reading it on the run sheet, Reese, but, uh, you know, regale us, if you will. Oh, okay. Well, so basically, um, Shannon, so... Glassdoor were in to do their second album, and they really thought this was going to be a big album. Uh, Shannon even says, I can't believe that fucking album didn't blow up. I really thought when we recorded it, it was going to be huge. But Ross was just like, we've done it so many times, and they're not feeling the drummer. We're not, they're not feeling it, but they want him to be in the band. They want him to stay in the band. Yeah. It's important. You can't kick your brother out. But he's not good for this album. So, and, and you know, even like Apedos Mill, th- th- that beat's a tricky beat, you know? And it's easy to fuck that shit up. So, Ross got Shannon in and said, look, it's going to be awkward as shit because he's going to be there. He's going to be in the recording booth with you. He's going to be standing behind you watching you play so you can learn them for the tour. But you're recording. And Shannon's like, all right. And he's like, as soon as we started, it, or not, maybe soon, we played the songs and fuck, the dynamic like in the room was just electric, the incredible energy. And he's like, but then you kind of look behind you and then the, the glass jaw drummer would just kind of be standing there with his arms crossed watching. Yeah, so Ross was like, yeah, it's going to be a touchy thing. They just didn't feel like he did the right way. Yeah, so um, Shannon filled in and fucking smashed that album. And he even kind of left, you know, the studio like, oh, good luck with it all, really thinking this band was going to blow up hugely, you know. Um, and I fucking that, Jones for that album. I was, like, counting down the days <laughs> for it. That, um, yeah, I think the Glassjaw podcast that we end up doing is going to be Quite, a, quite an involved I reckon one. you'll be talking I'm more than me. I'll, I'll be just like, it's fucking cool, bro. <laughs> like, it was Glassjaw and Amen well, were my bands. Like, I felt like th- no one else knew them and it was just me preaching to fucking nobody. It was like, yeah, fuck off, kid. See, for me, it was like Glassjaw and Soulfly oh, yeah. for a good length of time. And to this day, I still maintain that 
just before we finish up, uh, well, before we go into more aiming, I maintain a glass straw, uh, uh, quite rightly, one of the most iconic post-hardcore bands up there without the driving, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, just going back to the run sheet, there's a really weird sentence that you've written down, and I, I feel quite awkward saying this, but I'm going to have to ask... Why was Amen's We Have Come For Your Parents a harsh way to find out that your mum's vagina was open wide? Because he says, your mother's cunt is open wide. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is how I find out through Casey Chaos. <laughs> Mum, why are you using Casey Chaos as a messenger here? Just let me know yourself. Like, if that's something I need to know, like, if there's some medical issues or whatever, feel free to express yourself, but don't go through, you know, Casey Chaos. You know, I shouldn't have to find out about this on an Amen record. It's the bite in his lyrics, though, isn't it? So that's what I want to talk about. We were talk- You were kind of saying in the last episode, the Papa Roach one, that uh, like the lyrics are quite good. And I was like, no, nah, they're not good. But I looked into it, and they actually, on paper, are better than I gave them credit for. And then I looked yeah. into the Amen's lyrics, and they're not as good as I give them credit for. But there's some real bite in there. And I was thinking about it. It's like getting a compliment or an insult or something. If it's just like you're ugly, you're you stink, you're short, it's easier. There's no imagination in it. There's no personal sort of vibe or bounce with it. So it's easier to just to let it roll off your back. But when someone says something really, really nice, like, hey, hanging out with you is like going on a school excursion, that sticks with me way more than someone going, you're really nice, you know, or you're funny or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, because it it just paints a bigger picture of everything, doesn't it? It, it, if you are that genuine and that nice that you evoke a kind of reaction that's akin to another favorable moment, it's heaps better than saying, you know, oh, I like you, Reese. It's fun hanging out with you. Exactly. It's like, yeah, but of course it's fun to hang out with Reese, you know. But if it's like Reese hanging out with you is like. It's a, It's like we're in our teen years, we're sleeping over, and we know when we wake up, fuck, we're off to Dreamland or <laughs> off to Warner Brothers Studios. I'm excited, and I'm not excited. The excitement isn't just the fact that I'm going to this place. I'm going to there with Reese, you know? And that paints a huge more... It paints a bigger kind of idea of just how much you appreciate and just how much fun you have. Casey Chaos with his lyrics. I mean, sometimes he comes out with fantastic lyrics like and justified with the whole line inside this church we will burn all the lives of the women inside this church will burn all the lives of the damaged. But then in the same song, he'll rhyme severed eyes with severed lies with severed eyes. But I think those shorter kind of lyrics, are they designed for him to bark them rather than sing them? Yeah. To have that real visceral aggressive kind of bang 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 and now i'm just gonna like ride out a little bit and then bang 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 once again similar to maybe black flag yeah i think this when you read read out the lyrics that are actually written you're like oh this it's not they're not quite correct sentences you know papa roaches are <laughs> again but then it seems weird to constantly compare papa roach to amen but i was you know they've been heavy in the rotation of the last you know fortnight so you can imagine where I'm... Yeah. Yeah, that's all I've been really listening to. Fucking, yeah. Rest in peace, earbuds. But there's some sort of... When, when you read it with the rhythm that he s- delivers it in, you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I get the message, but it's not so... This is... Okay, so I've got it here. 
um, in Papa Roach, he talks about like, you know, when I'm sober, life bores me. So I get drunk again. Yeah. I'm losing all my friends. I'm losing in the end. She says. And I think that's from the song Binge. Yeah. Now, here's Casey Chaos on getting fucked up. I've been around for 40 days and nights. Cities blazed. We're wasting radiates the nights. You know, grammatically incorrect, but that's fine. Suck it up. You don't <laughs> yeah. hear. Refill the needle and let's begin. The drugs don't kill, but they used to. They're saying the same sort of thing, you know, to a degree, you know, chasing that high, um, losing things, fucking getting fucked up, fucking shit up. But... Casey's sticks with me way more than just like I'm drinking because life is boring. You know what I mean? Because it's visceral and because it's nihilistic. I I remember going to see. I've seen Amen a couple of times uh, because they did the UK tour circuit. Because like you mentioned earlier on, they were quite popular over here. And I remember them playing a show at the Leadmill, and Casey Chaos always went through a uh, it went through a period where he'd smash a bottle or he'd smash a glass, and then start carving his upper arm up a little bit as well to bleed, which at the time I thought was like completely fucking gnarly. Now I think maybe he had some issues, but at the time it was like this is absolutely visceral, this is nihilistic, this is punk as fuck, he's carving his arm up. But I also remember that at that same show, I saw him uh, at the bar. I kept my distance because he's a scary fucker. Second scariest guy I've ever nearly approached. The first one was when I interviewed Henry Rollins for The Groove Guide back in New Zealand. And that was terrifying because I ended up watching that YouTube clip of a young Henry Rollins looking like a young CM Punk. No, not with Nardwa, with a kid that was right in a punk zine, and he just completely trashed this kid about everything. And so I watched that going into an interview with Henry Rollins over the phone, thinking, I'm fucked here. He's going to tear me a new one. And they gave me the number incorrectly, and I was like, I'm late for a phone interview with Henry Rollins. I got through. He was like, oh, we don't have much time, but feel free to ask me what you want. We ended up having a whole conversation about how he ended up getting put on the no-fly list because he had a copy of a book that was basically about the Koran and someone rubbernecked, saw it, and so there was all of that. And then at the end of it, Henry Rollins apologised for the wrong number being given and wished me a pleasant day, and it was like, he's... If you treat him with respect, that's cool. And maybe if I was like that with Casey Chaos, but I was young, I would have been like, I love you, Casey. Uh." But some girl started fucking licking the blood off his arm and he had to, like, basically swat her away. Maybe he was just in the UK, you know, taking advantage of your NHS. Like, he's like, have you seen America's healthcare system? I'm just going to cut myself up here. It'll be fucking fine. I'll get my teeth done while I'm at it. (laughs) Maybe that hitting or or swatting a woman away. I mean, it wasn't like a a punch or a push, but it was definitely kind of like a raised backhand. Like, what the fuck are you doing? It's always interesting with like people like Casey or even like David Bowie and stuff like that. It's like, okay, these guys are, you know, they they leave their bands, but what they what do they actually do? Do they sit in the studio and direct the musicians, or do they write? Now I think Casey actually writes. I couldn't find any video of him playing guitar, but he I think he was you know he was writing for Iggy Pop and he was writing the guitar parts. And I think that's another thing that he's happy to just 
to not play guitar, you know? Chino's playing guitar. He, he, he knows three chords, you know? At the start, when he picked it up, he could not really play. I think he p- could play a D. He knows more than three chords, man. He learned how to drop D. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. But, yeah, Casey's happy to just, like, ah, oh, no, no, I'm not going to fucking play the guitar. But I'm always interested to see, like, hey, what are they actually doing? Like, you know, it's like a, a famous pop star or whatever. Like, they get all the credit, but there's 17 writers on that song. So that's interesting. But obviously people respected him. He was on Roadrunner Records. And Benji, I've got a game for us about Roadrunner Records. And it's a little bit... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of a... No, it's actually a good game. I've played it before. I invented okay. this. I fucking claim I've invented this. Yeah, I think you can play it at parties with your friends. So what, okay. what you're going to do is I'm going to give you a, a band that was on the Roadrunner yep. Record roster. Okay? Okay. And I've gone through Spotify and I've picked their f- top five most popular songs. Yeah. You get one point. You can name one song. You get one point for what number it is. The, so that, let's say if the al- if the song is the third most popular, you get three points. You want to get the most points. So the game is not okay. pick the most popular song. What like Lady Gaga, po- Poker Face, of course. What would Lady Gaga's third most popular song be? So I've got a few bands I want you to go through. Now I want to see your hands so I, I can tell you're not on Spotify. Just keep them where I can see them. And we're going to go through. Well, there's one, two, three, four, five bands. So if you can get 25 points, the most you can get out of 25 points is great. I've got the top five most popular songs according to Spotify listeners. Are you ready to do this? Did you really invent this game? I've, I claim I invented it, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, Did it have any th- names prior to this or not? I've no. I've never never named it. All right. So it's 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 Reese's game. Reese's Spotify game. All right. Do we have any dope music for it this week? Benji. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's making me feel tense already. All right. Hands behind my head. Benji. Amen. So, I can pick any song and where it hits, I get. So if I get the first out of their most popular five, I get five no, points. No, if you get the first song, you get one point. If you get the fifth most popular, it's like that. There's like a game called Pointless or something where the game is to be like. Oh, okay, no. So you didn't make this up. We're playing Pointless. Well, I guess I guess we're making we're playing Pointless. New 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 metal Pointless. New metal Pointless. Non Pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Non Pointless. Um. Amen. What would be the obvious one? I'm gonna say justified. That was justified. That was number three. I'm happy with three points. Down yep. human uh, refused. Uh, refused amen is refused amen would have got you five points. Next one, Slipknot. Oof. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this one out there. My plague. Not in there, man. But it was a great choice. Are you joking, mate? You already right. before I forget. Un- unsainted, uh, the devil and I, and psychosocial. Mm. But that that, that oh, was actually a solid man. guess, man. To be honest. All right, next. Yeah, I thought I thought soundtrack. No, it was a great, really smart choice, um, for being a dumb choice. Okay. Ultimate. Uh, sorry. Ultimate Roadrunner record band, Nickelback. Bloody hell. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't know why I, for some reason, feel comfortable picking older songs. 
Look, you can go the uh, same You know exactly what's going to get you. I'm, I'm going I'm to go leader of men. Bro, it's not even on there. Not on the list. It goes, hey, you remind sakes. me, far away, Rockstar, burn it to the ground, and someday. Not even photographed. No, Even though that's been heavily memed. No. The hell, mate. Yeah, All right. Three points, but a moral victory still. True. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. Soulfly. Seeking strike. Look, I can't let you go zero again. Pick another song. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Back to the primitive. Okay, that's two points. Well done. Jump the fuck up. Back to the what? primitive. Prophecy, bleed, or ritual would have got you five points there. Ah, okay. And the last one, look. Oh, if you get, if you get just five. Just do it. Just do it. I had, I've had a really good run of, of games over the course of Baccio Death Trip. I was a, always about to run to a rough patch, man. I'm mm. like the fucking AMC of Reese Gaming. I have my moments going up, the rocket going to the moon. Then it goes down, but hey, you know, apes together stronger. Machine head. <laughs> I'm gonna say Davidian. That gets you two points. Ah, man, what was number one? Is there anybody out there? Davidian, locust, circle the drain, and my hands are empty. So basically nothing really off the first two albums. Yeah. What was that like song that was huge? I'm like John Do you know what I mean? Uh that was from the Ash uh, Imperium. Oh, which bro. is off the album from the Ashes of Vampires. You They're good. We should do something on machine. I never Head. got into them, That's so I'm happy to do that. That's I'm happy to do a that. A Benji episode, definitely. But those first two Machine Head albums were like fantastic. Well, I'm happy to do it because this would be like an old fan meet, meets meets a potentially new fan. Um, you got seven out of twenty-five. Then it's a hard game. It was a very hard game. Very uncanny. Some of those selections. The Slipknot one spins me out because there was was there Wait and Bleed. Was that in the top five? Spit it out. No, no it's Duality. Before I forget, and Sainted. The Devil and I and Psychosocial. So all recent Slipknot tracks. Yeah. You got to think of like, you know, like, like, let's say Spotify is relatively new. So it's no one's really listening to Wait and Bleed on that one. You know, the younger generation who, who are picking up Spotify before us uh, are cranking out some Psychosocial. Duality, you know, uh, that's not a song I like, but obviously it's number one for Slipknot. Like, I, I would happily never hear that song again. But yeah, it's, um, it's always interesting to hear what's really, really popular i think i was surprised to see in, in amen down human was so high did you um did you do one for corn or did you give it a miss i got i gave it a miss yeah all right i was gonna say because that would that would have seeked very nicely into talking about casey chaos initially did you know this ross robinson asking a trial no man but the answer is fantastic because for Casey Chaos to turn around and say, oh, I don't think I've, it's going to work with Creep, which was what they were called before Corn, right? Um, it, They were too funky. Yeah, so they Amy used to play with this funky, band called Creep, man. who would later become Corn, and they had a different singer. Yeah. They lost a singer, and Ross was like, dude, go, go, you should go try out. Go be a singer, you know? And Casey yeah, just went, and watched him like he knew them obviously and was like they're fucking too funky that's <laughs> so good and look it would have been a very different band you know it, th there's a lot of sliding doors moments in in this life and uh, yeah that's th there's no way we would have heard got the life if it was casey chaos 
No, absolutely not. We would have got Coma Bakersfield. Yeah, all in all, this album is is fucking good, and um, I've in, I enjoy it, and I still listen to it quite a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know what else more there is to say, really. We, I mean, like we've been we've been going on for an hour, man. So like, let's be honest. We we start we preface the whole show. We try it again. I mean, we've been going for an hour, and we preface this episode with the fact that all we were going to say is good things about Amen. Well, yeah. Whatever's happened in Casey Chaos's private life is for people to go and check out themselves. Mm. I mean, we're, talk- we're talking about the album rather than the man himself. Yeah, and his vocal performances in the booth. But, Benji, the best thing about this podcast is that I learned things about you, and I think it's made us closer because I did not know that I had a fellow roller coaster POV video fan in the house. <laughs> That's been it's a, it's a, it's a cheap, inexpensive, less nauseating way to experience a roller coaster. Well, I bought those little like those they're like phone holders for your eyes. Like a, they call it VR headset, and you get the VR. You download the VR app, and it's got the the roller coasters on. You do that too. Do that. You do that <laughs> too. You not- and you put your mobile phone on the side, and it's like a cardboard yeah, thing, yeah. and it's like. This is, this is nothing like Lawnmower, man. What the fuck's going on? And it's like, oh, man, I'm buzzing out. It's like I'm actually on a roller coaster, but I'm not paying for a ride and getting throw up in my hair. Well, Benji, let me introduce you to a new segment. Roller coaster POV video of the week. So my roller coaster POV video of the week is a, from a huge channel called Coaster Force. I'm sure you're aware of it. If you type in... Mako, M-A-K-O, at sunset, front seat, on ride, 4K, POV, at fi- uh, 60 frames per second, SeaWorld, SeaWorld Orlando. Oh, this is a fucking beauty. It's a slow build-up, and it's super steep, man. Like, really, really steep. And it's got music playing, which is always good. Um, the wa- the yeah. Wonder Woman one looks real short and real shit, and overlooks a car park. So this one doesn't really overlook the car park. You know, it's nice it's in 4K, and this channel always does like a front view and a back view, which is always kind of interesting. But my one complaint, I love, you know, the the slow ascent, you know, to the very top. I love that shit. But when the roller coaster just kind of gets to the top and then goes down, it's so boring. Fucking hang me there. Like, leave me there for as long as physically possible, you know? Until gravity kind of forgets about us. That's what I want. I want to just be sitting there for hours and going, are we dropping soon? I fucking could live like that. It's so good. Have Have you seen any videos of uh, Oblivion, which is a roller coaster at Alton Towers? Um, I may have, but not Biden. I haven't recalled the name. I mean, that's the buzz where it's just a steep drop down. But So you get to, you're at the top and then you get to the kind of, convex concave has never good at geometry uh you get to the point where you're just about to go down and they stop you there and so you're like hanging like oh my god like when is this gonna happen and then they drop you i get it man it's the anticipation it's a lot it's a lot like sex in that way you know it's kind of like the build-up and the anticipation whatever happens afterwards you know is gonna happen but What's happening to the leader? I can't wait to have sex one day. It's gonna be so good. Like you know. Oh, I've heard. I've I've seen a couple of videos about it. Educational videos from the fifties. It it looks mean. Yeah, it looks very nasty. I heard there's more videos online, but I, you know, I haven't found them. I don't even know where to look, really. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Um, 
I I just jump on Kazar and look at Bang Brothers stuff. You should check that out. Oh man. So what are we gonna end up talking about on the next podcast, Reese? Are we gonna go down that slippery slope that is Static X and Glassjaw, or much like the roller coaster in our life, are we just gonna pace and wait until we get to that point? Yeah, apart, like I really want to do the one where I say my f- top five drumming songs. You do your top five wrestling <laughs> partners <laughs> shows, and then I try and do wrestling wrestling partners. Did you say <laughs> no wrestling? Like you know matches. Your top five. I do my top five drumming songs, and then I I go my five, your five, my f- my four, your four. We get to the top. I guess you're number one. Yeah. And then you go and tell me what it really is, and then you guess my number one, and then. Yeah, I think that there's not much research needs to be done. It'd be fun. It'd be funny. Look at that. This is some behind-the-scenes shit for people that listen to Baccio Death Trip. Good night, Tom.